0: Lovely to see you all. Um, Some people think that you can divide the world into two groups: people that love dogs and people that don't. Who's in the love dogs camp? Can you show me your hands? Who's in the don't? Show me your (laughs) hands. You could raise it. Have a bit bit more pride in that. We we joyfully don't love dogs. I, my wife, Kath, she, she's from South Africa, and her family have always had dogs. And when I got to know her, they had two dogs. One of them was this tiny little thing called Skippy. He—it's not a kangaroo, he's a dog. And he's a, um, he's a, we think he's a mix between a Chihuahua and a Jack Russell tiny little thing, sort of looked like, you know, on Super Mario Brothers, those bullets that fly towards you. He basically looked like a bullet with legs. That was, that was Skippy. And um, poor old Skippy, he, he was a rescue dog, so he didn't have a great start in life. Um, people were horrible to him and we think he was probably made to fight other dogs. It's very sad. But then um, he was adopted into this lovely household that loved him and gave him what he needed. And um, he was a happy little dog, but um, even after 10 years of being in this lovely home, this lovely household, after 10 years, he would still, if ever he saw another dog, it didn't matter how big they were, how friendly they were, he would attack them. Whoever this dog was, there was this aggression that was left over from, from when he wasn't safe as, as a small dog. And similarly, whenever they gave him a treat, you know what Skippy would do? He would take it and go and bury it somewhere in the garden because we think when he was a, a, a tiny dog, he didn't have stuff, there wasn't a lot of stuff, so he would hide it. And, and it was a funny thing because he'd been with this lovely home, and these people love their dogs, unlike me, but for, for a lot, I quite like hot dogs, but he'd been, um, he'd been with this family for 10 years, but still the old stuff crept in, still the old patterns, still the old way of doing life, Now, um, I've been a Christian for like a hundred years, and um, we used to sing this song in my church growing up. I am a new creation, who's with me? No more in the three of us, brilliant. It's a song about, about how How we're made new because of Jesus. And it's the good news of the Gospel that when we accept Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. Paul writes that we were dead in our sin. Now we're alive in Christ. We were far from God, but now we can boldly approach Him. It's wonderful news. We get a new start when we follow Jesus. We're completely forgiven, completely made new. So then why does some of the old stuff creep in? Why does some of the stuff from our families, the stuff we've grown up in, the stuff people have been doing for generations, why does that still have an impact on our lives? Now, I want to race you through um, through a, a couple of generations in the Old Testament and um, have a look at some of the patterns of their lives and, and have a think about, about how that might reflect on us. So if you've got a Bible, it'll be on the screen, but jump to me, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to jump a few places in Genesis um, in the next few minutes to make my point. So Genesis 12, Abraham. So Abraham is an amazing guy. He was, he was sort of the start of God's people. God said to Abraham, I'm going to use you to make my people. I'm going to take you to a new place. And in many ways, Abraham was amazing. But this great guy, he had a few, a few funny bits about him. So read with me in Genesis 12, from verse 11, it says, When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, That's a great start. If you're dating someone, if you've got a wife, you should use the first half of that, definitely. I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance, then it gets strange. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister, so it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. It's not great, is it? Like, you, you can't go looking back like a few thousand years ago without standing expecting to, be, to think like us. But this isn't healthy, is it? It's not a nice situation. This isn't a good marriage. These guys haven't done Nikki and Scylla's marriage course. They, um, there's some stuff going on here. Jump with me again, um, Genesis chapter 20. Same couple, um, Sarah, Sarai's name is now changed to Sarah, but you can find out about that another time. So, Genesis 20, verse 1, From there, Abraham journeyed towards the territory of the Negev, and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Not great, is it? So, two examples of Abraham, despite being in many ways a brilliant, brilliant guy, someone that that we celebrate, who followed God with faith, he had these areas of, of sin, this selfishness, this deception. So jump with me then to um, Genesis chapter 26. Eventually him and Sarah, she sticks with him, can you believe it? Him and Sarah, they have a son. and um, He get, grows up and Genesis chapter 26 from verse 7, this is now Isaac. It says, When the men of the place asked him, so Abraham's son Isaac, about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife, thinking, lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. You see, Isaac does the exact same messed up stuff that his dad did. And I don't know, I mean, this is something that, that, that you often see growing up. You find yourself even saying the same phrases that your parents say. Some of them are wonderful phrases. Some of them, not so much like this stuff. And you see the generational patterns. You see how people are shaped by their parents, shaped by the people they grew up around, shaped, shaped by their past. And I mean, so he goes on um, Isaac has, um, has two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. And um, his, his son Jacob is the favorite son of his wife. And so she, she and, and Jacob deceive Isaac into giving Jacob his brother's blessing. You read about that. And it's, um, you see again, Deception. Bizarre family relations. Not connected. You see these patterns um, in, in, in this Old Testament story. It jumps on to, um, so we've had Abraham, we've had Isaac, now then Jacob, next generation, Jacob's sons. Jacob! Jacob and sons. It's those guys from the musical. and um, And Joseph is one of them. And Joseph, if you haven't seen the musical, He is um, Jacob's favourite son. So just like Jacob was a favourite son, Jacob has a favourite son. You once again see these strange patterns repeated. And he loved his son so much, he gave him this wonderful coat and his brothers were miffed about this to the point where his brothers decided to, they were going to kill him, but they thought, no, instead of killing him, we're going to sell him. We're going to sell him to these Egyptians. Now, I've got two brothers, we get on quite well these days. But as a youngster, one time I accidentally broke my brother's nose. One time my other brother accidentally broke my little finger but they never tried to sell me. I mean this is, this is not good, is it? This is not healthy, this is not good family life, it's deception, it's anger, it's favouritism, it's bizarre family relations. And then we'll read a little bit about what they do once they've, once they've sold him. It says in Genesis 37, Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And then they sent the robe robe of many colours and brought it to their father and said, This is what we have found. Please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It's my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. And the point I'm 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 using these guys to help us help us dive into is that um I mean, there's lots of good in these people's lives, but there's also this, these patterns that you can trace back through generations. Different types of behaviour, different attitudes, different things that we think are okay. The Bible talks about generational sin, these generational patterns. And then um, Pete Scazzaro, I know lots of you have been doing this, um, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. If you're not in one of those groups, I'd really encourage you to like, dive into it. This is really helpful stuff. Um, so join one of those groups. But Pete Scazzaro, he says this, he says, Jesus is in my heart, but Grandpa is in my bones. And it's the idea that even with Jesus, we need to bring to Him some of the stuff from our family. And my talk this evening is called, Bring the Whole Lot. Bring the whole lot. Turn to the next to you and say, bring the whole lot. Bring the whole lot. You see, whether we like it or not, we are shaped in some way, lots of good ways. Lots of your good characteristics come from your parents or the people you grew up with but also some of the patterns that aren't so helpful, some of the unhealthy things, some of the sin also comes, and and also the earthquake events that shape you when something significant happens. And then what we want to do, really, is we want to be willing to wrestle with the implications of our past, not bury them or minimalize them. And this isn't to say, I'm a victim here, you're not a victim, you've got choice in this. And this isn't to say our parents are so terrible And you might have had bad parents, but lots of our parents were doing their best job. But they didn't know any better either. But it's actually saying, God, I want to bring you the whole lot. This is who I am. This is Joel. I'm shaped by all this kind of stuff. And in my desire to follow Jesus, I want you to help me with the whole package, with the whole lot, with with the stuff I'm being passed on, the stuff that, that just kind of happens. So I was doing something, um, uh, sort of thinking this through, I, I, I drew a little genogram. It's like a f- sort of family tree going back a few generations, but then just having a look at what were, some of the, what were some of the attributes of my uncles and my grandparents? What were some of the the patterns that we saw in family life? What are some of the things that, 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 that you, you, you see going through the generations? And there was some great stuff there, but also there was some, some interesting stuff. Um, it turns out all the... Um, all the men on my dad's side tend to die quite young, never met a granddad. My dad died when I was 49, when I was 49, when he was 49, um, my uncle died. So, um, so um, <laughs> make the most of me while you got me. <laughs> but, um, that was a bit morbid, wasn't it? It was just a joke, guys, just a joke. Um, I need to keep running or something. Um, but, <laughs> pull it back, pull it back. and um, but there's other stuff. So, so there's a stubborn streak in my family. My granddad was a very stubborn man. When my dad was 16, they had a falling out, so my dad left home. It's stubbornness. My dad was exactly the same. Stubborn as anything. And for a season of his life, he, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't living with us, he wasn't doing church and faith, and, and the Holy Spirit wasn't changing him. And during that time, he was very stubborn. A couple of my, so my dad was one of seven. So I've got a whole bunch of um, aunties and uncles. And um, they're amazing people. They've achieved some great things, some of them. But um, for a few of them, there's this stubborn streak. And I see it in me. And in fact, I see it in one of my boys. We've got two little boys. And, um, and one of them, we see that. And so when I'm trying to be shaped by this Holy Spirit, I'm bringing that to the party as well. That That's something that's, that's in my family. That's something that I've got to bring to God to be, Transformed. Um, what else have we got in my in, in my family? My my dad. So I've got a lot of cousins. When you got when my dad was one of seven, but um and there's actually we love being when we are together and they're great people. But um we're not close. We're not friends because because my dad wasn't great friends with his brothers and sisters for a while. And so there's these distant family relations. And I want to I want to change that. And and then and then my dad so I say one of seven. My mum normal-sized family, just, just two of them, and, um, and so bet- between their marriages, there's eight marriages across the generation, five of them en- ended in divorce, and then um, my dad left for a little while, they were actually reunited, but you've got six out of eight marriages there that, um, that face real challenge. So when I'm looking at my genogram, the sort of, what, what, I'm, what I'm grabbing hold of Okay, so my wife and I, Kath, have been married just over 13 years, and you know, we're running for 50. We want to celebrate our golden wedding anniversary and keep going. But um, I bring to that, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to need to keep working at it. We're going to need to bring this before Jesus and say, will you help us with this? And so I wonder, as I'm sort of using myself as an example, what some of the things are in your story. And I'd encourage you to do a bit of scratching around, actually. What are some of the things you see in your parents, if, 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 if you know your parents and, and, and the next generation? What are some of the patterns that we just need to bring to God? You know, um, some families don't do conflict. Like, if you, they don't know how to settle, settle a disagreement. And so, um, and so that, that, that brings, brings a break every single time. But I wonder if even some of you lovely people... Are in St Nicholas Church because you're not good at conflict. You fell out of your laughter last year, so you came here. And I'm not saying that out of a word of judgment at all, but I'm saying let's start to own these things. Let's start to bring these things before Jesus and say, "This is this is the story. This is this is the family I'm a part of." And some of you people are like part of your family has, has always been angry, and that's just kind of how they've been, and, and you've got a bit of that. I was speaking to someone and, 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 and um, she said to me, sometimes um, sometimes I wake up grumpy, other times I let them lie in. <laughs> Takes a minute, that one. Um, but it's consistently like your state of being is being angry and maybe that's what your, your mum did, that's what your grandma did, that's such a thing, but maybe it's time to bring that to Jesus and say, actually, I, I want to see this, this shift. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Your family have always been people that if someone wrongs you, you hold a grudge. Maybe it's getting identity from position. Maybe it's an idea that money is scarce. And so when Toby stands up on the stage and talks about generosity, you think, Toby, shut up. There's something in you that that that, that, that clashes with that. Maybe your family is one that gossips about people, so that's something that you carry on doing. I don't know what it might be for you guys. But... um. In our discipleship, in our following of Jesus, he's inviting us to bring the whole lot, to bring the whole lot. And so this is where we start. We acknowledge our past. Turn to the person next to you and say, acknowledge your past. Acknowledge your past. We are shaped in some way by our past, by our families, by the people that we've grown up with. And um, and, and that is just a reality, and your story will be different from the person um, sitting next to you. Different challenges, different blessings. But we acknowledge our past. But we're going to start going uphill now. That's the bad news, it's going to get better. And then what we do with that is we recognise our new family. We recognise our new family. See, when you become a Christian, you join a new family. And this is good news. You know, your identity is no longer just the family that you grew up in or didn't. It's um, it's your family with Jesus. You've got a Father who loves you. You're forgiven. There's a new start. You're in a new family. I was reading recently Ian Wright's autobiography. Um, love autobiography, and he was talking about when he transferred from Crystal Palace to Arsenal. And he was saying that when he joined Arsenal, he needed to up his game. He needed to start playing differently, he needed to start training differently. And um, what I want to tell you guys is you're not playing for Palace anymore, you're playing for Arsenal. (laughs) Pick the example you want. It's like I'm, I'm like the worst Arsenal fan there's ever been. I went once to see Arsenal play at Highbury. I've been to the Emirates once, but that was to see Coldplay. So that's, um, that's how good an Arsenal fan I am. But you are in a new family. You are not defined by your past. Yes, it has a role in shaping you, but it no longer defines you. You are defined by Jesus. All is forgiven. And we get that for free. And um, there was a lady who, who had a very rich, uh, a young girl, who had a very rich uncle, and she asked her uncle, where'd you get your money from? And she said, oh, that's an interesting story. I started off with just two pence, and I bought a pencil. I sharpened it, and then sold it for five pence. I did that about a thousand times, and then my great aunt died, and I inherited millions. <laughs> and that's how it works for us. We get a new start. We get a new identity. When God looks at us, He sees someone who is forgiven and made new. Everything shifted in Jesus. We are, we are defined afresh. We get a new identity. You're part of a new family and we need to recognise that. But then having acknowledged our past and recognised our new family, we then need to do the work with Jesus. And in this talk today, I'm afraid I can't give you a quick fix, because it's not quick fix stuff, but it's actually about us saying, I'm going to bring the whole lot before God. I'm going to bring the whole lot in, in, in my discipleship. I'm going to bring the whole lot in how I follow Jesus. And Jesus, will you help me with this? I'm not going to bury it. I'm going to bring it and do the work because we can actually flip things around. Um, Genesis 50, Joseph. So remember Joseph? He was thrown in, he was sold to be a slave by his brothers. And then um, he, he, he was a slave in Egypt for one of the officials' families. Then he was acu- accused falsely of, of sexual assault. He was thrown into prison again. But then even in prison, he, he, um, he didn't get bitter, but he, um, God overnight took him from being in prison to being the number two, the um, second in command for the whole of Egypt to the point where his own brothers, those, those eleven who'd thrown him in the pit, they came, to, um, they came to him to try and get some food. And after a bit of tomfoolery, you can read about it yourself, jo- Joseph says this, it says in Genesis 50, But Joseph said to them, to his, his eleven brothers, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? I, am I going to judge you guys? Am I going to get vengeance? Am I going to get my own back? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them." You see, that cycle of these bizarre family relationships, of the selfishness, of, of the deceit, Joseph flipped it around and said, actually, we're going to have a new pattern from now on. We're going to have a new cycle. We're going to have a new way of doing things. What you intended um, to harm me, God used it for good. And God can take all of this stuff, all of these extra challenges that you and I face, all of this shadow stuff that exists because of our upbringing, because of our past, because of the generations before us, and God can use it for glory. God can make it into a beautiful story of hope. So I wonder what He's calling you to do, to do some work. It's that prayer, God, in this area of stubbornness or unforgiveness or or unfaithfulness. God, would you help me? It's getting down on their knees again and again and saying, God, will you change my thinking in this way? It's about accountability. Who are you going to journey with on this? Who are you going to... Who are you going to share some of this stuff with and say, will you pray for me as I pray for you? Will you ask me about this as I ask you? Will you turn up your connection to say we're going to do this together? If you're not in one of the small groups here, here at St Nick's and this is your church, I'll encourage you, turn up your connection. If we're going to do the work, if we're going to allow the Lord to grow us into the people He's made us to be, to push through some of this stuff, we're going to need to turn up our connection and do it together we're going to give it to the Lord and maybe you want to start journaling some of this stuff saying God would you come and meet me in this how is he calling you to do the work to give God a chance because um, it's, it's quite a sort of heavy going one today and normally I like to give happy joyful messages but there is huge joy at the end of this if we actually let God into our stuff if we actually deal with it with Him, if we actually grow past it and don't repeat the patterns of everyone else before, then there is huge joy. There is huge peace. This church, you've got an amazing vision to play your part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, the transformation of society. Love it. We love it, don't we? That's what we're going for. But if we're going to transform society, we need to start with us, don't we? And D.L. Moody, he was a um, revivalist who he, um, he led thousands and thousands of people to faith in Jesus. He was asked him, how do you go about starting a revival? And D.L. Moody said this, he said, what I do is I go home and I draw a circle around me in chalk. And I pray to God, would you start a revival within this circle? You know, we long for God to transform Bristol and that's brilliant and we're running after that with everything. But it's got to start with him allowing him to tr- to transform me, to transform each one of us, to bring the whole lot, and see what God can do with it. I want to give you one story of hope and then I'm going to bring in, into land. So um, I mentioned a little bit about my dad. Um, and then my dad died in um, 2000, so 22 years ago, and I was a teenager. And um, that's one of those earthquake events, and you will have had similar earthquake events, I'm sure, that have shaken you and shaped you. But um, I was at a conference, just a few years ago, just before we planted Patton Church, and someone called me out in the conference He said, oh, you, the guy who's going to Swindon, I feel like God has given you a revelation of who he is as Father. I feel like you have a particular grace that you know and understand God as Father. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what, actually, he was right. That Yes, that earthquake moment of my dad's death had a shaping, shaping impact, but actually, I know God as Father. I know that He's with me. I've never doubted His love. I've never struggled to know who He is as Father. Because um, the earthquake event, yes, it shaped me, but it didn't define me. I'm defined by my new family. And doing the work with Jesus. Imagine if we didn't deny or minimise the impact of our past and and how our upbringing has shaped us, but we acknowledged it. We brought the whole lot to Jesus. Imagine if we realised we were defined by our new identity. Imagine if we did the work and along with others, we broke the power of the past. Imagine the freedom, imagine the life, imagine the wholeness that we would experience and you guys would bring to Bristol. That Imagine the wholeness and life we see in our lives, in this church and in this city. In Jesus' name. Amen.